Each Sunday night, I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your hosts, Keith Murray. Deglio fam. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. It's the season finale, and we're recording during a hurricane. Yeah, nothing here but uh, the hurricane of emotions I felt this week. And welcome to the Out of Practice podcast, a weekly podcast in which me and my old buddy Mike uh, talk mostly about ourselves, but then eventually get to David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week is a very important episode. It's the season finale, a very uh, spectacularly important episode of The Practice. It is season six, episode 22, The Verdict. And uh, yeah, so uh, we're I'm in a hurricane. I don't know about you down in Philly, but uh, I mean, well, it's not... It's not raining even. Oh, um, yeah, no. It's raining But I, I am supposed to come to New York tomorrow, so I wonder if it's going to be like, if I'm going to have to swim there. What's this? I heard storm surge could be pretty epic. Yeah, the storm surge, it, it really, like, what I'm disappointed in, we don't have practically any wind here. I mean, obviously, it turned, uh, it turned east and is basically heading straight up New England. We thought it was going to touch us, but it really, we're just sort of getting the outer bands. Um here of Hurricane Henri, mm. but uh, but yeah, no, we're, we're just basically just getting a lot of rain, so uh, a little anticlimactic, but now as a homeowner, uh, mm. it's it's less exciting and more like, damn, I hope the gutters work, so uh, well, it's like adulthood reaching yeah. me at 40. It's like, oh, the snow day is like becomes a pain in the butt as opposed to super yeah. fun. Yeah, I... Uh... We had uh, some adulting this week as well. So, yes, uh, you did. Long, long-time viewers might recall that we were headed to uh, vacation last week, this mm-hmm. week, the uh, be- beginning of this week, uh, which I was very excited about, very much needed a vacation. So uh, we have some uh, land in the Adirondacks, as I think I've mentioned previously, and we were headed up there, although the cabin we have on our land is in a little bit of disrepair, so... Uh, we're working on fixing that up for future vacations, but uh, now that I finally have a little bit of money in my universe, that aside, so my brother-in-law's family, as well as my family, as well as uh, another family I don't know we're all going up, plus two other couples, and so my brother-in-law rented this huge, sprawling lake house, which was right out of a log cabin magazine. This thing was epic and beautiful and epic and beautiful. Um, overlooking the lake, on the lake, mm-hmm. with a dock out to the lake, just like spectacular. And we couldn't split it with him, so we sent him some money just to kind of like 
you know, to, to say thank you and to get the our tip of the cap, the reserve gesture. our reserve our space. But I mean, that's not to say it was didn't wasn't a lot of money. So we head up. We're so excited. We had a great drive up. We get there on two Monday. We get there on Monday and have one of the best days I've had in a long time. Outside mm. all day, playing in the lake, drinking, grilling out, hanging out, meeting new people, talking to, seeing my nephews, just like absolutely spectacular magic. time. Magic, yeah. magic, magic, magic. So awesome. Now, the week cut prior, to. cut to the week prior, uh, you know, Jen works at a restaurant and there you have, you know, everybody's a no mask policy these days. And so, and we are both fully vaccinated. I should say that Jen and I are both fully vaccinated people. We woke up one day, both of us had a, a pretty stark headache we woke up with. And it's been rainy and such and hot. And we just had run six miles the day prior. So dehydration, all these things play in. Mm-hmm. Sure, but sure. just as an abundance of caution, because we were going up to see, uh, hang out with kids. Yeah. Uh, Jen got a CVS quick test, right? Yeah. PCR test, I should say. That's important to this story. So this story is a great story, by the way. Pseudoscience is involved, real science, adulting, all kinds of things. So regardless, we had that great day. We wake up Tuesday morning. I wake up Tuesday morning to Jen going, Mike, Mike. She got her CVS test back. And she was positive. She had a breakthrough test. Now, this is a PCR test, so this is not a quack test. These are the tests right. that count. So now we have to figure out what's the best thing to do. Um, we're vaccinated. She's asymptomatic. Right. We feel fine. Of course, I don't know my status at this point. So we decide, well, let's go get a rapid test just to double confirm it. So we drive right. an hour out of our way because we're in the middle of nowhere. Uh, we get a rapid test and that comes back negative. But then I do a little bit of research on the fly and it turns out that these antigen rapid tests, especially if you have a low viral load, which you will have if you are if vaccinated, you're vaccinated, right, are less than 40% accurate. So it was a waste so of our time to even waste of time. Yeah. However, what it did create, and this is what I would like to share with our public, it did create an interesting situation with the people that we were staying with. These right. people, who were all vaccinated adults, except for one family who we found out was not vaccinated, but that, I'm not even going to include that in the story because that's their choice, okay? We're just looking out for our people who are vaccinated and doing responsible things. All the people we were staying with, like, well, you got a negative test, so you're fine. Don't worry about it. Stick around. And I was like, yeah, but that's that test is sort of moot. She got a CVS test, but those CVS tests are pooled tests. I was like, yeah, but all tests are pooled tests. When If you get a positive pool, they go back and individually test each pot rate. If you get a PCR test and it says you're positive, the percentage of it being a false positive are incredibly low. Right. But people, this is where I'm getting at. People want to hear what they want to hear. These are people who mm -hmm. are now, even though only slightly at risk, still at risk, but are thinking, well... Uh, you got a negative test. Right. No, <laughs> that's not the truth. So Jen and I had a conversation, and the truth of the matter is we knew right away what we had to do was sacrifice our vacation yeah. because our nephews were there, and it was going to rain most of the week, and we were going to be inside. It's, and, and what it comes down to is really small chance that we would probably give give them anything, okay? Especially the vaccinated adults there. And the kids, right. you know, generally speaking, but it's low risk, low risk scenario versus 
What if something happened? Right. What if? You would never feel good about that. There's no way to, you can't, you can't quantify that. And so that's worth losing money and a vacation in our estimation. Yeah. I, so, I don't think I, I don't think there even was a choice. I mean, if you did what you had to do. There, there, I mean, of course, of course. Like it's it's just it sucks. It sucks so hard. But I, sucks I, so I think, hard. I think you did exactly what you had to do. Like what else? I mean, I uh, instantly got a PCR test when we got home. I came back negative. So my vaccine worked in that I did not contract a breakthrough case. Jen's vaccine yep. worked in 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 that she didn't get sick at all. Yep. Yep. And this brings me to my I guess something that I guess is on its on its face very obvious, but I'm interested to speak to you cuz you know your brother has a little bit more insight. Yeah. You know, these the percentage of people getting breakthrough cases is is really low. When you look at the percentages to vaccinated oh, people, too. Yes. However, had Jen not just out of an abundance of caution gotten a test, would never even have known she had it. We would have just been involved with all these people. And we would never have had to give it a second thought because we weren't, we had no symptoms. So the question is how many asymptomatic Delta carriers are actually out there who are vaccinated? And I would imagine it's actually a pretty good number. I mean, we don't, I, I mean, obviously, if they're asymptomatic, we're really not going to know. Um, you know, but that that said, how many people, unvaccinated people, are getting it and not getting tested too? Mm -hmm. <coughs> so the tested population is already self-selecting uh, to get tested. So it's it's hard. I mean, you you can really only work with the data that you have. Um, you know, and and also self-selecting people who are vaccinated are more more, more responsible. So. Mm -hmm. If they do get sick, they're probably more likely than the average population to go get tested too. So I don't I don't know what the numbers end up being in terms of, you know, what are the actual percentages. But whether or not there's a difference of five or ten percent, obviously the number of people getting Delta, I I, I think I was reading somewhere that somewhere between ninety-seven to ninety-nine percent of them are the unvaccinated. So even if there there is some shift for people not getting tested, like okay, so it's ninety two. What the hell's the difference? Obviously, well, let me, let me you loop know what it to back do. into kind of our universe here. So let's compare. You know, we're this podcast is in a in the television vein from the from the onset almost. TV SAG and uh, the the film industry have yep. been going about things a lot differently than the. The, the stage unit, which I guess is different because the audience for stage is is live. So it is it's not apples to apples in any way stretch uh, any stretch of the imagination. But you've noticed that there's been at this point almost no real dip in production of film and TV yeah. versus we're just starting to get back into the into productions here at the stage. And how will that be affected? Like I was reading grosses for, they don't really release them, but some insiders have said grosses for Hamilton, pre-sale for Hamilton, which is the biggest show in the universe, Yeah, are are not sold out. Not the pre-sale pre has not been great. Well, you uh, have no. a great insight to this. No, I I, I do. And and uh, I was actually at a meeting with my producers yesterday talking about exactly this. And, you know, it's, a, it's scary. Everyone on uh, Broadway was certainly hoping that the West End would be up and running for three or four months before Broadway started um, so they could be the guinea pig and see what happens. And that's not what happened. And so everyone on Broadway is, 
but as we talked about right now, because of the amount of uncertainty in the world, both like, is the show going to be running? Am I going to be able to go? Are there going to be other locked other restrictions? What gets sold now, I think is going to be much more day of week of. Mm -hmm. And certainly I'm looking at the opportunity because like, all right, Hey, I might be able to go see shows pretty cheap right now. Mm -hmm. So you know, day of, I'm like, I'm feeling like, hey, let me get into the city and go see Dear Evan Hansen or something. I might just do it. Right. So, um, you know, like everything else, who knows? Yeah, who knows? We, more, we hope for more the best. The point, and, for our wives and our people who are our friends and colleagues, you yeah. know, there are a lot of auditions now. There's a lot of uncertainty in the union for those who are interested in the fact they just opened our union to, to yep. I'll say everyone. It, there are some qualifications, but what Pretty has much been, everyone. What has often been a closed union for in perpetuity has, mm -hmm. in time memoriam, has now opened to just about everybody, but with no guarantee for more jobs. So it's basically just by uh, seven hundred. No. It's unknown. It, it's uh, it's no, a lot. I'll, I'll tell you exactly what it is. They need money. They, <laughs> they money. need money. <laughs> the 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 union, the in order to pay for your health insurance, needs to take the money, the entrance fees for a whole bunch of people who will never work to pay for your health insurance. Like that's exactly what's happening right now. Well, except this, sorry, we're having, this is a podcast of a different type, but it's, I'm sure it's interesting to somebody. <clears throat> uh, the difference is this, Keith, is are they have not changed the requirements for healthcare. So it's not you join our union, you get healthcare. Oh, good Lord, You no. have to join our union and work a certain amount of weeks of which now it will be harder to do. It was already next to impossible for 90% of the membership, but now it will yeah. be all but, those people who have a Broadway contract, because there ain't going to be enough regional work to go around. No, well, possibly. I, although I don't necessarily think. And again, is this interesting to anybody but us? Yeah, I don't I think necessarily it is. think this factors because you, you talk about auditions, right? So one of the benefits of being a union member in Equity uh, is to be able to go minutes. to Equity auditions, yeah. right? So, however, they were already full. Anyway, so if a show can audition 400 people in the time allotted, they're going to audition those 400 people. It's not like they're now that the union is bigger going to audition 800 people. And so I don't think it's actually going to make that measurable of a difference. I mean, you might be able to have more people trying to sign up, but that's all predicated on open calls. Well, and no, open, no, you're open, regardless of the pool of auditions i'm talking that they haven't uh, they haven't there's there's no precedent set for being there being more equity contracts regionally right no, so it, there's still the, the same limited amount of job openings but just no exactly and quadruple and my, the applicants no and my argument is it doesn't change anything is it it means nothing because all right so you might have more people trying to sign up for the open call but there's still going to be the same amount of jobs, same amount of slots at the open call. The open calls themselves are basically a joke anyway, because all shows are are cast through agents and through appointments. So I don't I don't think it makes any difference other than the union gets some more money. Yeah, well, yeah, there, there, we could go on this forever. I th I think <laughs> the the real as pertains to a lot of the things we've talked about on this podcast actually recently about inclusivity and about how media is slow but slowly trying to catch up to certain uh, tropes, to overcome certain tropes about the way we cast uh, 
minority communities, about the way we portray them. And what's interesting is that this move to open the the the, the actors' equity uh, union was done under the in the name of inclusivity to open the doors to underserved populations, and I think that has left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths because it it it's rings kind of disingenuous hollow. to say that, yeah. No, and I, I, and for sure, and you know, and for my own experience, and I promise we're going to move on from this topic. For you know, from my own experience, I've been eligible to join for a decade and never have, because, you know, as an only a part time actor, I don't want to spend two thousand dollars and then fees forever for something I'm not going to use very often. But it's like it's it's entirely, uh, it's it is a business. They're trying to stay alive. And and they they serve uh, an important purpose, and right now it's just about survival. And I yeah. I think, you know, the, the and on the inclusive uh, inclusivity side, I'm a, I'm on board. Like I think it should be open. Like I I, I, agree. I I I think that's a good thing. I don't have any problem with it. I I I just like you know the stated reason and the practical reason may not be the same thing. But you oh, know, and I also when think that ever? as that us as viewers, when it comes to TV and film and media, us as viewers hold a little bit of the cachet. But I think that it falls to producers. Obviously, in order to to introduce more uh, the stories of minority communities into our popular culture, it falls on a yes. I'm I don't think there's a lack of. D uh, diverse creators writing their stories. It's, I don't think it's that. I think it's a lack of those stories getting greenlit and being served to us. So we need to watch more of that. Like we need to, as news people, as cons consumers of media, to open our eyes and especially as those of us who are in the privileged position of being s cisgendered white men, consume more media from diverse outlets and we listen to stories that aren't our own um anyway sorry i'll get off my soapbox here i just have had a lot of feels this week also we you know a uh, quick shout out um some good friends lost a parent this week who was uh, close to our family who added it was a very kind of a shock plus uh, my brother lost his dog last night. It's been a it's, oh, there's a lot of going around so just sending love and positive vibes out uh, I'm just hype right now, so <laughs> I apologize. Okay, well, I, I'm certainly send best wishes to all of the people in that world. But we have important work to get to. This is the season finale. It is the season finale, and uh, to to move forward into far more important topics, uh, perhaps uh, four-legged topics, let's do a little segment called... We have tried for years to make this podcast a success. We failed! It's time to give the world what it was. Meow, meow! Hot cat content. Meow, meow. Hot cat content. Meow, meow. Hot cat content. You said dignity. I have to do it. Always <laughs> dignity. That's true. I did. So what's going on with your cat? You sent me an amazing picture this week. They're just these two cats. So they're the BBs, we call them. The bi the, ba the bonded brothers. These cats are obsessed with one another. But what's kind of funny is that, and this is just the story I'll share. So our, my like uh, challenged cat, Didi, who's never really socialized with a litter because he was uh, his mom died at, and he was just kind of like, 
floundering until someone picked him up. We start bottle feeding him. Bottle feeding him. He doesn't. He's got instincts to start certain nurturing behaviors, but mm-hmm. doesn't really know h- how to rein them in. Case in point, he loves to bathe his brother. He loves to bathe the little kitten. Sure. But does not know the proper amount of saliva to use. So when he's done, the kitten comes in and is literally soaking wet. Like he has been dipped in a bath, like dripping wet. And I'm like, Didi, man, you overdid it. He's soaking wet. This is not what he's looking for. But Little Cat now like lifts his legs and like moves around like someone is, he just is the most spoiled ass cat because he's got this like, uh, indentured servant in my middle cat who's taking care of him. So it's been a, uh, it's been awesome, and uh, I'm so psyched uh, that it worked out. That's I I I'm shocked and baffled, but thrilled. <laughs> yeah, me too, man. But thrilled Not to hear it. What I had in mind, but better, better, no. better. Yeah, no, because I, you know, and 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 much like our uh, our our Cuomo takes from about a year ago, <laughs> my take that. This was a terrible idea. Dis- did not age well. Yeah, we'll never be hosting Jeopardy, you and I. Yeah. Uh, oh, yes, yes. Well, so yeah, I retract some of the nice things we said about Cuomo about a year ago. So somebody's listening to this today, like, whoa, those guys, TikTok. <laughs> well, it is an in. It is a time capsule of uh, our mental state at the time. And at that point in the in the hysteria that was the early days of COVID, that's right. all I wanted was somebody to tell me it was going to be okay. I, I guess true. I should have asked more questions about how he was making it okay. Do all of that, but also don't be a creep. Yeah, we should but have qualified. We, we, we forgot to, and I, I feel like that qualification should just be added to everything now. Yes. Just like hand me that ice cream cone and don't be a creep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Although, you know what? Here's the good news. All of our uh, wear a mask PSAs, they hold up. That they sure do. Yeah, and then get vaccinated. Yeah. I, I don't know. If, I don't know. If, like last week, my get vaccinated was a PSA or more of like a screaming into the <laughs> wilderness, but same difference. Yeah. So I'm going to give a quick update on Please, Charlie, yes. and then we're going to move forward. Uh, so Charlie has a new thing that we have to do every night. Okay. For reasons beyond my understanding. He's now, like, scared of the upstairs. Like, it's haunted or something, so that when it's time to go to bed, I have to pick him up and carry him up the stairs and show him the bed and show him there are no ghosts and monsters upstairs. And then he'll he'll go back down, and because and, he likes to run around at midnight. That's his good playtime, and then come to bed later. But, uh, but I, if I don't do that, he won't come up. It's really weird. That is weird. Well, Charlie, you know... It's gonna be okay. Don't worry about it. It's it's gonna. I love that picture. He looks so bedraggled. I you know it, it, that cat gets brushed at least once or twice a day, and still looks like he's been taken out of the same blender. Like father, like son, Keith. Like father, it, like son. I don't get brushed twice a day. Police. I don't think I've brushed since uh, since the beginning of COVID. All right. <laughs> Let us move forward and hear what you have to say in a but Phoenix. Hear what Phoenix has to say in a segment we call Filings and Subpoenas. Filings oh. and Subpoenas. Filings and Subpoenas. Filings and Subpoenas. So uh if somebody Filings other than and some penis, it sounds like it still sounds like that to me. If somebody else <laughs> other than Phoenix would like to file their subpoenas, how would they do that, Mike? <laughs> 
<laughs> Send us an email. I need to talk to somebody. Uh, <laughs> at out of practice. Well, nope. Out of practice podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Our social medias are on the screen. Out of pra- out of practice podcast. That's at out of practice podcast on the Instagram or the Facebook. Uh, shout out into the void like we do every week going on too many years. That was like the roughest cold read <laughs> of our social media handles we've been saying for 120 episodes. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> you were like, you were reading it like Trump phonetically at out of practice podcast. It was ridiculous. All right. So uh, Phoenix on the YouTube moderator Phoenix uh, talking about last episode, this puds for you. Oh, said, you, said, uh, you promised me we weren't going to have to say it this week. Ah, uh, that's right. I forgot Pud. Uh, so we were asking uh, what side the defense and prosecution typically sit in the courtroom. And he weighed in. As to the question of where the defense sits, it is very common in real life and almost universal in TV for defense, for the defense to sit on stage left, and that has to do with the typical layout of a courtroom. The prosecution plaintiff has the right to sit closest to the jury box. Since that is generally on the right side of the courtroom, the defense usually sits on the left. As jurors, which side was seated closest to you? I think we talked about that. The uh, the prosecution was closest to me when I was in the on the jury. Was that you f- true for you as well, Mike? I think so. Uh, no, you know what? I, I realized in retrospect, we were it was a civil case, and we were ah. actually seated at the back of the courtroom where you typically see the gallery. Really? So, yes. Um, there uh, was no gallery. It was just us and the thing. And we were so actually you weren't able of, to watch the, the plaintiff and the defendant? We could not like see their, their faces? faces. In fact, what was interesting is that the litigators actually came around and spoke to us like walked towards us and spoke to us like upstage and then would turn back. But it was cool because we got like a front on view of the um, of each of the of the witnesses when they were called. And since both the plaintiff and the defendant testified, we actually got to uh, have some face to face. Yeah, it was it was a little weird. That that is weird. I don't we I've never seen that on the practice. Nope. Anyway, so Phoenix also said in this episode, Mike guesses that Lindsay will become Dexter, but it's Keith who suddenly turns into a blood spatter analyst. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. If one of us were going to be Dexter, which one do you think it would be? Uh, that's tough. Uh, mm. I think, uh, I don't know. We're both just so like generally cranky that I don't know that we'd be as discerning as Dexter. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like an, un- an undiscerning Dexter Basically, just a serial killer. Is like a serial a regular, killer. Yeah, run of the mill. Are, are they rebooting Dexter? By the way, they are, yeah. or they're continuing it. Did I so, mention that I started watching the new David E. Kelly show on Hulu, uh, which is called Nine Perfect Strangers? No. How many shows does he have running concurrently right now? That's a lot right now. Although this one, um, we've watched the first three episodes. An incredible cast. But uh, I don't know if anybody's out there has watched The White Lotus, but this is trying to be sort of The White Lotus, and it is not as successful. So that's my my current hot take, three episodes in. Ooh, hot take. Coming after our series creator. All right. All right. So be it. So be it. Well, you know, uh, it's time. Don't you think it's time? Because we've been jabbering already for 25 minutes, yep. which is unacceptable. 
unacceptable because it's a you know it's a beautiful not a beautiful Sunday it's Sunday and it's a hurricane so it is time to hop back into the time machine and interestingly it's the same date as last week because these two episodes were broadcast back to back on May 19th the year 2002 and so uh I'm gonna ask this eternal question but uh tell us a different story from this day in the basement. Uh, so I think last week I mentioned I had moved back home, and I mentioned it was a one-year anniversary of my dad uh, passing away. Um, but uh, this, I'll do a kind of a time machine in a time machine. This is uh, May 19th. Oh, I guess he was still alive, which is actually kind of, I'm not, okay, I'm going to avoid death entirely right now, I think probably is the better call. Um, one thing that was cool about, about being back in the basement with my mom at the time was that my grandpa was still here and this would, my grandpa would, would, would pass away in 2008. So for at least the next two years, we got a really good period of, I got a really good period of time to spend some time with my grandpa who was living with my mom and came to realize that he was an incredible musician. He had learned to play the violin very well when he was in his youth, but then he uh, got polio and ended up working for Boeing during the war and kind of gave up the violin, uh, which is kind of really sad, but it did give me some insight into some where at least some of my musical talent came because- You didn't know that he was a musician? No, I did not. Uh, they never talked about it. And my mom sort of fiddled with the accordion, but I, I never to a degree where I thought that that was, so it, it was always weird to me because though my mom the can accordion. sing- the accordion. Uh, now, I I want I, I have some questions. Uh, she was pretty Rita, good, I gotta tell you. Your mom's name is Rita, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So, Rita, why the accordion? How how does one begin I of, think, of thinking I think, of every instrument in the world and like, you know, it's accordion. That's what I'm going to go for. I think my I think growing up, uh, my grandfather listened to a lot of polka uh, as Italians and like just, the accordion is in a lot of like Italian type music and sure. folk music. And I think she just picked it up. Uh, she was she was a little clunky at the left hand and stuff because she cannot play the piano, and I don't think she reads music. So I think she was self taught, um, is my understanding. Interestingly, my mom had this cool accordion, and and not for nothing, I remember a few years ago, I was like, you know, I don't want anything, but I would like your accordion, like when the time comes or whatever. Assuming she had kept it, and she's like, nah, I gave it to Purple Heart, and I was like, what? What would you? What? She just gave it away. Oh, She's like, no. why would it, why would anybody want that? I was like, I'm a musician. Why would I want your my family accordion? Uh, it, weird. So I'm there's probably a, a a story for therapy in there somewhere. Uh, well, no, it's it's gonna come in handy for our production of Platt. See, because you, your your mom can play the accordion in our production of Platt. But Keith, where I'm going with this story with this this day in the basement, uh, my tangents this week. Please try to keep me on task. Uh, I often am not criticized. People uh, tease me because I have a, uh, um, oh my God, my vocabulary today. What is it when you don't, th uh, a sub an unconscious, subconscious uh, tick, some would say, when I'm listening okay. to music or I'm watching a play or I'm doing, I tend to air conduct uh, quite, oh, okay. sure. quite liberally and freely and people tell me to stop uh, often because it's distracting, <laughs> totally get it. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. My grandfather did it as well. We he was t he t took to watching Lawrence Welk, 
Uh, and <laughs> I would catch him giving you these and some conducting and some do-do-do-do's. And I fucking thought it was so awesome that he would do that. And so it's kind of another thing I took from my grandfather. So uh, a couple years hanging out with grandpa started around this time and I moved back to Pennsylvania. So it wasn't all uh, just despair. <laughs> <laughs> Keith, what were you doing? Oh boy, yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't can conduct very often i sometimes i will conduct my own music when i'm listening to like a demo or something like that but uh the first time i had my show performed live i sat in the back of the house and uh i breathed as if i were singing the entire score Mm. so which i didn't realize i was doing but another like musician behind me was like did you realize you like sang the entire score just by breathing anyway uh yeah so what i was doing And we talked about last week that the 19th, that exact day, was my college graduation. And uh, so what happened the next day, my birthday, essentially. Happy old birthday. In 2002, uh, we packed up all my shit and left Rochester. Uh, And that would be the last time I was in Rochester until I went to visit about three or four years ago. Um, So that I hadn't, hadn't been back for all of that time. Uh, so the way we did this, my father had an old 85 Ford Bronco, uh, which was, uh, we'll, we'll get to that part. That's part two. Uh, but the, he was driving an old 85 Ford Bronco, which is all already like super old by that point. Um, but it was giant and I had all of my earthly possessions. So we, we loaded up the Bronco and drove it from Rochester, New York, back up to Underhill, Vermont, which is about a 10, 11 hour drive. It's this huge thing. So, uh, so we drove in the car and my father took the, took the Bronco, which was loaded up within like, like medically full of all of my things. <laughs> and so it was like 10 trillion pounds of stuff up. Oh, you can't see out the windows, blah, 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 blah. So he's getting back, uh, about crossing the Vermont border. And if you know Vermont, it's very hilly. It's mountain. Like we basically live on the side of a mountain. You're going up and down and hills and this, that, the other thing. And he discovers that, uh, hey, he's losing his brakes. And uh, by the time he gets to like the three towns over, he has no brakes whatsoever in hand, this. Handbrake, maybe? He had the handbrake, but he ended up having to slow the car uh, slow the truck down by using the compression of the engine because it was a it was a manual transmission and so he would be slowing it down that way and he eventually got pulled over because like shit was or i think he had to pull over and figure out what to do and a cop came and tried to help him and of course it's a vermont cop it was like oh yeah oh yeah you don't got no brakes no huh? all right that's no good right, don't worry about it you know I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll drive in front of you and we'll we'll try to get there together you know i'll show you how and so it was like he didn't have an accent like that, but uh, he does now. God damn he, it, he does now. So my father drove this overloaded '85 Ford Bronco through the mountains of Vermont with no brakes for the last like hour of the ride. Which, uh, you know, that's a crazy Varney kind of shit that happens every once in a while. Mom, if you're listening, I'm sure you were thrilled when you found out that that Woo. happened. What you uh, do to the goddamn brakes? Well, no, the brakes just died because it was like an old beat up truck. It's just why he just decided to like, eh, might as well just keep driving. So since you came home, Keith, they made you help fix the house? They sure did. So uh, the next couple of days we spent re-roofing 
uh, the house. So that's uh, me and my dad and my brothers uh, up there tearing off shingles, putting shingles back. And so I, I can, I can literally prove I have at least at one point in my life roofed, which was uh, it was exciting. I, it was hard work. It was a little scary because uh, it's it's especially the uh, the the main house. Like it's it's high up there. Right. So, uh, but we did it. Nobody died, and uh, the roof still exists to this day. It's probably time to replace it again. But uh, what do they say? Every twenty, thirty years? Yeah, twenty. Yeah, thir- yeah, like twenty-five or so. Um, although ours has a fifty-year warranty, we just put ours on. It's pretty, uh, pretty fancy. So, uh, yeah. So that is what was going on this day in the basement. You're getting more than you bargained for in every every segment. Yeah, we week. really. There's a lot to talk about. There There's isn't, lot. but we're making it seem like there is. <laughs> we are filling time. We need a radio show. Because I feel like if you just said, like, I need you to fill 2 o'clock in the afternoon to 6 o'clock, and you have no subject and you have no things, we could actually just do that. Oh, wait till I pitch you the show I got uh, cooking around. It's called KM Weekly. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Till you want to hear about talking into the void? That one's coming soon, folks. Uh, why? Because <laughs> clearly we spend a lot of time talking about not the practice on this podcast. You might as well just put it somewhere else. Well, that, it's, that's true. Look, we're trying to build our YouTube empire of KME entertainment. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I was thinking we posted a new video today. It's like, it's too short. Like, because YouTube works on hours watched. We need to just. Look, be, it's going to uh, be. We take. If we do it once a week, we take the like top. We t- we listen. We some find some rant. Gen- random randomizer general randomizer we mm-hmm. put in the headlines of the week we randomize mm-hmm. five headlines and we just have to spout give our white guy opinions on them <laughs> great just what the, the what the internet needs is more opinions specifically from straight white dudes oh what a, Keith, what a we great can't idea. change that about ourselves so we gotta we got well, i'm just we have we no gotta to work talk with what to. we got yeah well fair enough fair enough all speaking right speaking of the world's news <sighs> let's talk about it it's time for the Out of Practice Podcasts This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. Well, uh, this was going to be a little anticlimactic because uh, this is the headlines from one hour after last episode. But we are still listening to Foolish Ayashanti. Uh, if you missed the 7 o'clock showing of Star Wars Attack of the Clones, maybe you can get into the 9 uh, that same night. The subheading cover of the Burlington Free Press talked about heroin cuts another addict's life short. Same uh, same problem, different drug in Vermont. This is such a jazzy version of this. Hmm. Oh, and it was released the day after my birthday. Wow. Mm. How about that? Thanks, Devin. All right, now let's move on to the most important segment of the show. It's time. It's time. It's time, it's time for sports. Over the next month, the NHL playoffs concluded with the Stanley Cup final matchup between the Carolina Hurricanes and the Detroit Red Wings. The team split the first two, but game three went into three overtime periods before Detroit's Igor Larionov scored five minutes into the sixth period of hockey. That was it for Carolina, and Detroit hoisted the cup in game five. Awesome. Is it time uh, to uh, get to the actual podcast? 
What? Uh, what do we do now? Yeah, all right. I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. And I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to talk about the damn episode. You have been waiting for it all season long. We begin with the premiere and we end with a finale. Specifically, the season six finale of The Practice, episode 22, The Verdict, written by series savior at this point, David E. Kelly, who came back to finish out the tale of the season, and directed by veteran director Dennis Smith, who last directed Eat and Run. Guys, uh, spoiler alert, we might get a verdict in the episode, The Verdict. Uh, Lindsay is going on trial for murder... Again, uh, I think it's time for Mike to tell us what's going to happen. What is that supposed to mean? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What? What What does Mike think's going to happen? Yeah, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? Guys. I thought about it. We have the same season finale as last year, uh, except it's Swap, Bobby, and Lindsay. And so I thought to myself, you know what, Mike? You're so consumed with the sexy. Put the sexy mm-hmm. aside and, f- oh. and focus on what would make this a good season finale or at least a different season finale. And here's what I came up with, Keith, and I think okay. I, might, I might be onto something here. <clears throat> I have no idea what it has to do with Christmas. Uh, so I'm not going to worry about that. But here's where I do think they're going to throw us a loop with that uh, title, The Verdict. Mm -hmm, Here's mm -hmm. what I think is going to happen. We're going to get a case finally that we like, uh, because or an episode we like because it's just the case with Lindsay. Cameron Manheim, Mm -hmm. uh, our girl Eleanor, is leading the charge here. She's prosecuting it. We're going to get all the stuff we love. We're going to get team strategy. We're going to get uh, curveballs thrown. Biggest curveball of all is they're going to put Lindsay on the stand. Mm -hmm. And... Her testimony is not going to be comforting. It's going to like, because uh, you know, she's a little crazed right now. So I think it might come off a little bit uh, unhinged. And I think it's going to make a lot of people worried. And Keith, here's the big twist. You ready for the big twist? Okay, the big I'm cliffhanger, ready. Ready. if you will? Okay. There is no verdict. The season, season six will end with us not knowing the fate of Lindsay Dole as it hangs in the balance. Are you going to make us spend an entire summer not knowing what's going to happen to Lindsay Dole 20 years ago? Luckily for us, it's a two-week wait. But for the viewing audience at home, yes. Because, Keith, as you've mentioned, the ratings weren't great. Things were, it was on uneasy ground. So they're like, we have to find a way to hook people into next season. We're not Mm -hmm. letting them off the hook. Lindsay is in trouble. And she's still in trouble by the end of the episode. Wow. Okay, well, uh, and it's uh, sexy I'm, as hell. Just okay, on, I was gonna say I was, I was gonna be sad that you set it's sexy. It's so aside. sexy. It's just sexy <laughs> by its very nature. It doesn't need uh-huh. my judge. Uh huh. Yeah, that's nothing sexier than Lindsay being tried for murder. All right. Well, I'll tell you what might be sexier: listening to us listen to this episode. And it's mm. time to hop over to your podcasting service of choice. Oh, Larry King is sexy. Yeah, Larry King, that, that finally found the sexy. 
and listen to us listen to the practice season six episode 22 we'll be back here on the youtubes for the after show show season six episode 22 the verdict 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 okay stand by for larry three two one Tonight, high courtroom drama. With us now in Boston is Eleanor Frutt, attorney for Lindsay Dole. Holy Good evening, crap! Larry. Ms. Frutt, your client. It's Larry King. Potential posthumous winner of the guest star Oopsie. Guys, uh, talk about pulling out all the stops. We're beginning this episode with a cameo from Larry King as himself. Uh, and Eleanor's on the Larry King show by remote. But uh, in case you didn't know about Larry King's acting career, uh, he was in Shrek 2. He played one of the sisters. He was in a, a movie called Clubhouse. And he played back in 1961, Sleepy Sam in something called The Thrush. That sounds former sexy. Client, and she's raised battered woman syndrome as a defense that's correct we typically think of a battered woman as a wife with the batterer being the husband but the syndrome is not confined to domestic relationships okay but stop how did the presses O'Malley hold on back up her. just a hair to eleanor's one shot on the screen there uh because if you uh because I, I you know i have to put these things up constantly Look at what the Chiron is for Eleanor there. Eleanor Frutt, Lindsay Dole's attorney. How is Lindsay spelled? Interesting. So they misspelled Lindsay's... No, 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 they didn't. No, they no, didn't. That, that, no, that entire thing was uh, uh, utterly nonsense. Okay, because I was going to say, that's how I've that. been set. I, I look up on IMDb all the time to, to 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 check out how to spell it when I do the preview, but... I thought you, that... I, I saw the A, I thought it was S-E-Y and not... And then I got confused. Okay, you know, I'm old. You know what, Keith? I've been a dumpster fire since the start of this episode. I'm so glad <laughs> for you to join me in the dumpster. Wife, with the batterer <laughs> being the husband. But the syndrome is not confined to domestic relationships. Okay, but how did Lawrence O'Malley... Batter her. Well, without getting into the details of our defense, he threatened to kill her. My and client her. was in reasonable fear for her life at the time Mr. O'Malley showed up. And, and this is different from self-defense. How? Self-defense would be an objective standard. Was it reasonable for the defendant to use deadly force? Here, it's more of a subjective test. Was it reasonable for Lindsay Dole in her particular mental state to use force. And this is where battered woman syndrome applies. No love lost between you and the district attorney. Kenneth Walsh is a fine prosecutor, but he typically lets his thirst for vengeance color his actions, and he's doing so here. That's not wrong. No. It's a deliberate <laughs> attempt to contaminate the jury. I want her gagged right now. Let's Frank add free Bernie speech to the, the list judge. of things you hate. That wasn't free speech, Eleanor. Let's wipe some of the foam off your mouth. She attacked me personally, <laughs> Your Honor. Good if line. you feel libeled, I suggest you sue me. This is not starting off well. Mr. Walsh, I am loath to issue gag orders. And if I might share with you an inside tip, the book on you is, you're less effective in the room when angry. And I would guess Miss Frutt is attempting to get you in that state. 
and you might be best served by ignoring her out-of-court antics. When those antics are for the purpose of influencing the jury... I will watch the tape and decide if she went too far. Now as a warning to both of you, keep it professional. I doubt that's going to happen. That's not really our style. Bill Simichovich, of course. You know, I'm tired of your piss-ass crap. I'm tired of your firm's piss-ass crap. You made a big piss mistake, Eleanor, and your client's going to pay for it for the rest of her life, you okay, piss-ass, scum-crap, dirt-bastard. So, okay, uh, 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 Mr. Standards in Practice at the... Uh, yes. At, so I, I, I really want um, him to say the most aggressive thing uh, that I, what, I really want him to, you know, just tell her to go fuck herself. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I know it's, it's network TV. So is, is there sort of a, a word salad combination of sort of dirty words that we could use there? Well, uh, let me check my sheet here. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, you're allowed to show your butt if it's NY if it's a police. We're allowed okay. to show an ass. Do you want? It, would it be appropriate for either of them to show their asses at this point? No, no, no. I don't want to show anything. This is all all just dialogue. I, I want to reference all sorts of uh, bodily excretions uh -huh. and then a body part. Okay. Well, I we are we can't we we don't want him to call her a bitch. But what if we were to just spin that in the salad spinner and call? Uh, how about bitch ass crap? Uh, I, 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 yeah, I don't want to say bitch though. I, I want to say pee pee, but I, I feel like that's not manly. Can I call it piss ass crap? You know what? I think that's even better. I think that we'll meet in the middle and let's go with piss ass crap. We're going to yeah, go ahead okay. and approve. Green light. Okay, very good. Thank you. Thank you. You seem mad. And we did it again. <laughs> Every time. Every time. Well, that was some piss-ass crap editing for us. <laughs> um, but, well, look, but but I'll why is it piss-ass and not piss-ass crap? Well, you know, I will say this: they've been, they at least have set up Samichevich of uh, this season, even though it was a, a fast turn for him to go like full antagonist. I think that they've set it up enough that I'm fine with him maybe going some dirty-handed tactics here. Although I, I still don't understand. Yes, he's had some problems with Eleanor. He had some problems with uh, who else? Who prosecuted that other case? Uh, my, my point is, there's no real reason for him to go so hard after Lindsay. She never really Lindsay, did anything to yeah. him. But I imagine Boy. we're about to Walsh see that. Walsh just filed a last-minute motion. He wants an unavailable witness instruction given to the jury. Who's the unavailable witness? Bobby. We have to prove guilt beyond all reasonable doubt. That's our burden. Certainly, Bobby Donald has the right not to testify. But if he exercises that right, the jury should know it's not the prosecution's fault for failing to produce a single witness. That's not what he's trying to do. He's waving a flag for the jury. Hey, Bobby Donald's not talking. He must be hiding something. What's your proposed instruction, Mr. Walsh? Mr. Donald was present during the shooting. The defense, but not the prosecution, could have called Mr. Donnell as a witness. They did not do so. You may infer that had Mr. Donnell been called, he would have given testimony unfavorable to Miss Dole. That is outrageous. It renders spousal no privilege meaningless. Mr. Young. He brought this motion for them, the media. He wants it in print that Bobby Donald had something to hide. If I wanted to talk to the media, I would have went right to the ben. morning news shows like you people. All right. I don't think Larry Mr. King's Young, a morning news show. Bobby Donnell is on your witness list. If you plan to call him, this motion is moot. We shouldn't have to declare our hand now. 
It's our right to call him. It's our right not to. You're not the only one with rights. Bobby Donald was the only one in the room. If he doesn't want to testify, the fine. Room where it happened, but the, the jury shouldn't punish the Commonwealth mm. for his unavailability. Mr. Walsh, your motion is denied. We are adjourned until one o'clock, at which point trial yeah, will start. Come back here with evidence. Leave the nonsense at the door. Oh, he's gonna go digging though, Keith. He's gonna go digging. Both sides mm -hmm. are expected to open today. Tomorrow, the prosecution will call its first witness. We're set? Okay. Bobby, something to think about. The motion they just brought. Keith, totally tangential nerd conversation, if we That's will, a first. if we may. So this episode already, and I imagine moving forward, is going to rely heavily on uh, characters watching the news coverage of the trial on television. Mm -hmm. uh, always over the shoulder thus far. So generally speaking, when you've got when you're working with uh, like uh, interlaced television and filming it, you've got those little blinky lines because the frame the the refresh, the refresh rate is different than the frame rate of the filming however yes. they seem to have solved that problem here in 2002 is there a technique i'm unaware of how they're doing that or are they just syncing them up or how's it work uh i actually think the tv uh monitors are less of an issue than computer monitors uh-huh um, so I, I think if you're filming a television screen, I don't remember seeing that it's the computer monitors right. that, that they really struggle with that. And so they, they solve that, I think, by setting the computer monitor refresh rate to match the, uh, the camera. I don't know about the It may have been TVs. just for the press, but Walsh could have had another motive, which is to force you to take the stand. If they got that instruction, we would have no choice but to call you, and it makes me nervous that he wants you up there. Or he wants us to think that so I don't testify. Shouldn't we go? I'm staying here with Rebecca. Uh, you'll look more sympathetic, Lindsay, without an army. We went over this, Eugene. I know. I'm just going over it again. Why? Because I want so much to be in that room, and I want you to know that. Ladies and gentlemen, Eugene tugs right at those heartstrings. We all love you. Every one of us. And whether we're here or in there, we're with you. Keith, this won't make it, but I want to let you know. Five syllables. And we're ready mm -hmm. for this. We all love Lindsay. That's very sweet. Well, you, you can do a uh, Mike's feelings haiku. She make me ha let you happy. In on a little also secret. seven. I'm glad Lawrence O'Malley it's took three in the chest. Time. The man, as you'll hear, was an accused murderer, a cannibal. The politically correct term for him would be damaged. And a part of me thinks Lindsay Dole did us all a favor. I would have liked to have shot him. But I wouldn't have. Nor would any of you. Because mm. we have a law against revenge killings. There are rules against firing three bullets point blank into an unarmed man. It's called murder. The evidence will show that the defendant executed Lawrence O'Malley. Simple as that. 
She just shot him dead in cold blood. As viscerally satisfying as that may be, this That's not was first Linda degree Lager, I checked. homicide. It was murder. They should also bring up that the baby was so close. I think the baby being there is important too. Yeah, for sure. Or at least, maybe not important, but sympathetic. Lindsay Dole doesn't even remember shooting Lawrence O'Malley. That moment is completely blacked out. And the evidence will show that her brain quite likely went black before she pulled the trigger. Three years ago, Lindsay Dole was stabbed three times by a client. She nearly died. Three Last times year, the grinder. she was stalked and threatened One by a killer. serial killer uh, uh, who was uh. also a client. Here, after defending Lawrence O'Malley for multiple killings, she was stalked by him. He threatened to kill her. He showed up at her door in violation of a restraining order, entered her house, and this time, this time, Lindsay snapped. All of those clients came back into her head. They were all personified by Lawrence O'Malley standing in her house, threatening to kill her. And this time she just snapped. By the way, if Lindsay hadn't snapped, she'd be dead now. No question. That's a bit of an inference. Yeah, you can do that in your opening. In your opening, yeah, that's true. Though I agree. A little presumptuous, if you will. Commercial! Yay! You were representing okay. the victim. Yes. The defendant was trying to have Mr. O'Malley civilly committed. I was acting as Mr. O'Malley's Katie counsel. McNichol, what was the disposition of that motion? The petition was denied. Mr. O'Malley was not committed. And Miss McConnell, what happened after the judge made her ruling? Obsessed with well, saying her Ms. name. Well, Ms. Dole was not happy with the outcome. She then approached Mr. O'Malley. Did she do or say anything? Yes. She said to him, come near me, I'll kill you. Were those her exact words? Those were her exact words. Thank Oops. you. <laughs> you said my client brought the motion to have Mr. O'Malley committed. Wasn't that motion brought by the Commonwealth of Massachusetts? Your client is close friends with Helen Gamble, a district attorney. Who brought the motion, Miss McGonagall? Lindsay Dole or the Commonwealth of Massachusetts? Technically, the state. Did Mr. Walsh ask you to leave that part out? Objection. Sustained. You testified that my client was not happy by the ruling. She was a little more than not happy, wasn't she? Well... She jumped up in court and called the judge crazy. Did you not hear that? I heard it. As far as courtroom decorum goes, she was out of control, wasn't she? I'm not going to have you put the words out of control in my mouth, counsel. Did it get to a point where the judge had to threaten Miss Dole with contempt? That's an interpretation. The judge never used the word contempt. I see. So it would be your interpretation that Lindsay was not happy. Yes. Thank you. Fan. By the way, 
In your opposition to Mr. O'Malley's commitment, you argued that instead of incarceration, Mr. O'Malley should receive treatment, did you not? Yes. And as one vested in safeguarding his interests, did you take any steps to see to it that he got that treatment? I was vested in safeguarding his legal interests. You stood before the court, opposed to his being committed, said, let's get him treatment. And after the ruling, you just said goodbye, doing nothing to help him get the treatment? Is it because you really didn't think he needed the treatment or that you just couldn't be bothered? Objection. No, I am sorry, or but I will not want to conceal my disgust here. Killer? Mr. O'Malley might not be dead had this witness done Objection. her job. You Plenty kept him on the street, you time. took your fee, and you Objection. did nothing. Miss Front. Well, at least you make for a great witness. Miss Front, you are one remark away from a jail cell. And if we jail the fifth Caps member this season, we get a free sub. Did I go too far? I don't think so. We had a no, pop. You planned she took the a shit side. Out of we had the pop. <laughs> lawyer. Who's up next? They go to forensics now. The blood spatter evidence shows the victim. Why would to she be not here, know that? Approximately 15 feet from the shooter. Mr. Donald would have been here. You can hey guys, really exciting in the writer's room here. Uh, David actually mm -hmm. wants to uh, pitch some ideas to us. Oh wow, how exciting. Guys, I was thinking, uh, hi, yeah. I'm David E. Kelly, by the way. This oh my, is my God, David it's e. so good yeah. to see you. Yeah. It sounds just like him, right? Hi, David E. Kelly. Oh yeah, no, we, uh, sorry we shit the bed for like f you know 14 what? episodes in the middle of the season. Bygones be bygones, the boss is back. Uh, here's what I was thinking, guys. Season mm -hmm. finale time, I know it's uh, a little bit of a redundant case, but I was thinking, yeah. Let's plan B fucking everybody. What do you think? That's the episode. Oh. Eleanor plan B's every goddamn witness. Now, uh, as as writers on this season, we haven't seen any of the previous seasons or sort of know what's happening. Have we ever plan B anybody before? Uh, in my opinion, it's been utter underutilized. So I think ah. tonight we let it all hang out. Plan B, baby. All right, good. Can we make it sexy? Oh. Plan that B. You better plan yeah. that big old B. You can tell that from the blood gross. spatter on his clothing. You say so he would absolutely between the victim and the defendant. <laughs> Correct. Any blood on Miss Dole's clothing? No, she was too far away. And Mr. Illich, were you able to determine if Mr. O'Malley was moving at the time he was shot? He was either standing still or moving backwards. How can you tell that, sir? The trajectory of the wounds. Also, just another point that just it goes without saying, but we should say it. Uh, <laughs> Everybody's logic. You know, the prosecution, pro, state prosecutions are generally, eh, not generally, are often, especially in big cases, are often uh, somewhat political in nature, right? Like you want to, you want to be seen as the good guys doing the work for the people. I just don't, I just don't see how making a huge media trial by defending a cannibal serial killer is a good look for the DA's office. Well, yeah, I, I mean, you you have to you have to prosecute it, but but you're right. I mean, the injection of politics by having your DAs elected, I think, is a is a mistake. Especially after, I mean, assuming the timeline is a little loose, but like all of the bullshit that's been happening with O'Malley has not O'Malley uh, with the with the DA. Um, what's his last name? Uh, not Smitrovich. It's uh Kenneth Walsh. Yeah, D.A. Walsh, 
is gotta have made the press somewhat like his his kind of uh, oh huge re- recent indiscretions. So it's and then they just lost a big case with the serial killer, and now they're prosecuting his the the killing of him. It just all seems a little muddied. Yeah, well, I mean, and especially on this show, since every single case they do is basically the OJ trial. And are we going to go through the whole season finale and not see Helen Gamble? So, uh, if that would he'd be been quite moving forward at all, his momentum likely would have caused him to fall face down. He was found on his back. Is it your testimony that it would be impossible for the victim to have been moving forward at the time he was shot? Not impossible. I'm speaking in likelihoods. I'm looking at the positioning here. Bobby Donald was close to being in the line of fire, wasn't he? Well, no. He was off to the side. So the line of fire... Well, well he was picture, between the shooter and the victim. In Not that exactly picture, he's directly in the line of fire. Village. No. And yet, his wife fired. Did it make you wonder whether she had just snapped? Objection. I'm only asking if the expert crime analyst wondered. I'll allow it. Did you wonder? I just analyze bloodstain patterns. So I don't get into mental states. <laughs> You're up here to convince the jury that the victim wasn't moving forward. The only relevance of that, I'd assume, goes to whether Lindsay thought she was in danger. That goes to her mental state, does it not? Indirectly, yes. Indirectly. Mr. Elich, can you make a representation here as to Miss Dole's mental state or not? I'm not going to make any such representation. Thank you. Yes, it is an emergency. There's an intruder in my house. Where is he? His name is Lawrence O'Malley. He's here in violation of the order. He's dangerous, and I need for you to send somebody now. The address is 1312 Beacon Street, apartment 4. That sounded pretty calm. Objection? Sustained. Mr. Forbes, in the background, we can hear other voices. Yes, those voices were identified as belonging to Mr. Donnell and the victim, Lawrence O'Malley. Were you able to detect what they were saying? Yes. We were able to both isolate and enhance their conversation. Okay. Yes, it is an emergency. There's an intruder in my house. What's wrong? I promise I'm not here to cause anybody any harm. I just need to talk to her, please. That is a really impressive enhancement. That's when she hung up. Thank you, Mr. Forbes. You have no idea what transpired after she hung up. Well, I know she shot him. Yes, between the time she hung up and she fired, you don't know what was said or what happened, correct? Correct. The defense is expected to begin tomorrow with their psychiatric evidence. Dr. Emily Fink is up first. She's considered to be one of the nation's leading authorities on battered woman syndrome. Speaking of fake, that stand up there clearly had lighting shot up at his feet, like Eleanor, as if they had all the huge great. set of lights for a stand up outdoors. You haven't really asked for my advice, but could I give you some? What's up, Helen Gamble? Lindsay killed an unarmed man. Science cannot explain that, only Lindsay can. Battered woman syndrome, that's your device. It entitles the jury to set her free if they want to. They won't want to unless they hear from Lindsay. And Bobby too. Eugene thinks Walsh is gunning for Bobby. He may be. Look, I know you guys know this, but the burden of proof isn't on the prosecution here. The burden of an excuse 
is on you. She's right. People mistakenly associate battered woman syndrome with revenge. It. it isn't that. What is it, doctor? Well, mostly, it's an extreme stress disorder. It's a mental disorder, which can cause the sufferer to lose mental control over his or her actions. Did you examine Lindsay Dole, doctor? Yes, I did. This woman was the victim of repeated abuse, the abusers being her own clients. She had buried a lot of fear. She had been in denial. In reality, she had no coping mechanisms with which to handle Mr. O'Malley's threats. At the moment she shot him, she doesn't remember it. She suffers from a psychological amnesia. She's walled it off from herself as a way of psychologically protecting herself. You and while you we're doing it, uh, for how long? Doctor that said things for Lindsay. What Keith sort of said? <laughs> this is Dorothy Lyman as Dr. Diane Starger. But, uh, Mike, I'm sure you are well aware of this. We've seen this character twice before in uh, Victimous Crimes and Marooned. So uh, she's not a returner. This character has just been around a lot. Oh, so you don't get the bumper? It's just no his finale, bumper. though. I know. Several hours. And before this examination, how long had you known Miss Dole? I didn't know her. Is it your testimony Miss Dole didn't know what she was doing when she pulled that trigger? My testimony is given her history of abuse, her fear or apprehension was reasonable. But she likely knew what she was doing. I don't know whether she did or didn't. Nor does she because she's blocked it out. Yes, the psychological amnesia. Have you ever known extreme guilt to trigger this kind of amnesia? Yes. In fact, my experts tell me psychological amnesia would be more common in people who commit murder than people who act in self-defense. Each case is different, and really... I appreciate that, but statistically, what's the more common cause of psychological amnesia? Murder or justified self-defense? I'm How not would comfortable they be able to adjudicate that? Let me ask again. Like, what, where does that stat come from? What is the more common cause of psychological amnesia? Murder or justified self-defense? How would you tell? Murder. I, I, Thank you, Doctor. Makes no sense. Because justifiable in that case is subjective by its own nature. I'm gonna go next, and then we'll finish with you. Okay. We need to study the transcripts of our statements. I've studied it. Can somebody get my girl those annex? It's a good idea to go over it again. We don't want to get caught in so much as a discrepancy. I've studied it, Bobby. They're not gonna catch me. Study yours. It's going very well. You do know that. Is it? I do. I'm gonna study my statement. Good. I consider myself friends with both Lindsay and Bobby. Between the two of them, I think Bobby is more likely to kill somebody. Why are they even talking to him? Not saying he did it. Uh, uh, Mike, no reaction? I just know he's gallant. 
And that he'd take the Riveted. fall for his wife, if necessary. I just have my doubts. Reasonable Holy crap! It's Joey Herrick! Who I originally thought we should get on our get on our uh, team for this, <laughs> just for the sake of it. But we I, clearly there was similar thinking. They were like, well, let's get him in the episode. And what perfect trajectory for Joey. But he is just an armchair pundit. Yes. That's amazing. Doubts. He also said he wants to kill. He would much rather uh, he, he'd more see Bobby as a murderer, which I tend to agree with. Yeah. I hope that helps. But, but, also that I hope that helps, he took direct to camera, which means he's saying it right to Lindsay. Yeah, but huh? because we, and by we I mean I, have been accused of talking over oh, yeah. Joey Herrick let's, before. Let's give us the full Joey, and, guys. And Keith forced me to do it this time. That's why I was staying silent, as in due respect. Uh, we're going to go back and listen to his whole spot again. <laughs> I consider myself friends with both Lindsay and Bobby. Between the two of them, friends. I think Bobby is more likely to kill somebody. Why are they even talking to him? Not saying he did it. I just know he's gallant. And that he'd take the fall for his wife if necessary. I just have my doubts. Reasonable doubts. I hope that helps. She started. Okay, so a couple of things that I think are worth mentioning in that. Yeah. One, he media plan B'd Bobby. Right. But it's actually in service of Lindsay because any reasonable doubt gets her off the hook. And he said they were friends and he smiles to camera and he actually did, I think, them a solid. Yeah. I mean, I... The version of this show where Joey Herrick joins the firm is a, a version I think would still be running. Yeah, if only he was more like Dexter in that he's murdered only bad people, which isn't particularly the, the case. He has just murdered folks. Well, no, but it's like exciting. Like every season, like somebody turns up, dis somebody disappears, and they have to try to figure out, oh, was it Joey? Was it not Joey? Yeah, it's like... A dumb dumb every every once in a while there's a dumb dumb Jimmy episode. We get a, a murder murder Joey episode. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Joey, Joey, did you when murder? You say she started having emotional tears. We haven't seen Lucy in a while. She, said she wanted to lose the trial. The trial in which you were defending Lawrence O'Malley. Yes. Doesn't he only ever kill his his lovers though? Uh. No, because the last one, he killed his lover's wife. Mm. So, well, someone in his lover's orbit. Yes. He kept staring at her in court, saying how he'd take Look, her to once he's on the show, and she we don't know who he's going to hook up with. We were all worried about her. At some point, you took out a restraining order against this man. Yes, but it didn't matter. He just kept coming. Turning your attention back to the night in question, can you please tell us what happened? I was in the bedroom. I heard Lindsay scream for me. I came running out. There he was. O'Malley? Yes. I asked him to leave. He wouldn't. I threatened to throw him out. And then he just turned. He turned? He was a paranoid schizophrenic who suffered from psychotic breaks. And it looked like Lindsay's he was becoming psychotic here. She's nervous. Then he looked at Lindsay and told her she was in danger. Told her the other man was coming for her. What did you do? 
I kept asking him to leave. I didn't want to antagonize him because I knew that's what makes him snap. But it was as if he didn't even hear me. He had this crazed look like he was just going to explode or something. And then he threatened her again. And she just shot the gun. I looked at her. She. In the real timeline, Bobby had left the room, though, right? Vacant. Uh, he came back. Dazed expression as she fired. She put the gun down. Nice work, Bobby. And then she went to her room. And what did you do? I called the police. Or she left the room and, then I and went came in back to check on Lindsay. She didn't even know what happened. She didn't know she had shot him. It seemed like she was. Just gone. Thank you. All right. Let's see what DA Walsh has to say about this. What you got, Walsh? You said your wife started to unravel during the O'Malley trial. Yes. When? Well, it happened almost immediately. He called her Clarice and made his obsession known from the beginning. No, but your wife didn't Clarissa. beg off. We're not going to get this. They're going to grape jelly us, aren't they? They, oh, grape jelly. David, don't grape jelly us. She continued to interact with him and be his lawyer. Yes. In fact, you even had your wife handle Mr. O'Malley's direct testimony. That was a strategic decision. Your wife is becoming unglued, but for the sake of getting this cannibal off, best to let her keep going. At the point Lindsay did her direct, she was still basically okay. It was after that she really started to suffer. Did you get her to a doctor? I was planning to. You were planning to? Bobby here should, should eat crow and just be like, yeah, I made some mistakes and I'm trying to help, you know, like we should have got her yeah. some help and we didn't. Yep, 100%. You wouldn't be lying now to help save your wife, we would know you, Bobby Mr. Donald? Objection overruled. I'm not lying. After she shot the man, you said you saw a dazed, vacant look in her eyes. Yes. Did you tell the police this? The police never asked what she looked like. Isn't it true after witnessing the event, you knew your wife had committed murder? That is not true. That is not true? That is not true. There's a gunshot victim? Yes. We need an ambulance right away at 1312 Beacon. And who shot the man? A man has been shot. Please get an ambulance to 1312 Beacon. When the operator asked you who shot the man, why didn't you just tell her? It wasn't necessary to tell her. It wasn't necessary. <laughs> so a man is lying on your floor with three gunshot wounds, and you're deciding what is or isn't necessary to tell the police operator. You called the police. Call anybody else? I called Eugene Young. A lawyer. A colleague and friend. In fact, you huddled with Mr. Young, Miss Frutt, another colleague and friend, Mr. Berluti over there, another colleague and friend, and after the huddle, did you tell the police what happened? Objection, this goes to privileged. I'm not asking what the colleagues and friends talked about. I'm asking whether he talked to the police that night. The objection is overruled. Did you tell the police what happened? My wife had to get to a hospital. Did you tell the police? I had to be with my wife. 
Did you consider yourself suspects? We talked to the police the next day. The next day? Your lawyers organized a meeting at your offices under your control where the police could ask questions? Yes. Mr. Donald, we've heard testimony of another client who terrorized your wife, a man by the name of William Hinks. What happened to him? Objection, relevance. Overruled. What happened to Mr. Hanks? Interesting. Had him killed. He was killed. He was murdered. By a man you did business with, correct? By a man I used to represent. You had a conversation with this man. This man then murdered Mr. Hanks. And you were arrested for conspiracy to commit murder. I was acquitted. I smell a pattern. Threaten Lindsay Dole, you get killed. Uh, sure. Pl Plan B Bobby. Sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he's not on trial here. Well, I, right. And so it's it doesn't make sense for Smitrovich to be doing the plan being like, we could plan B Bobby. Yeah. Objection. Sustained. Wow. Eugene accuse, accuses Bobby of murder on the stand. Oh, I'd watch that. Now that's sexy. <laughs> Yo. Keith, I think the mic I think we got a mic was right coming because Lindsay looks like she gonna pop. I, I would what like happened? some uh Bobby got picked applause apart for while Eleanor not sat on her hands. Giving them go the, the plan D was joke. It sucked, Jimmy. Okay? It looked like we had something to hide. Bobby played it like we had something to hide. They introduced the Hanks case, which should have been objected to as a prior bad act. Bobby's not the defendant. You should have been jumping up and down. Well, I'm ready to jump now, Lindsay. All right. No, what do you want from us? Shut it down, Eleanor. What I, what I can't get by is 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 in that room. In that room, when, when, when you all- What room? My bedroom. When... You all came. And instinctively, you looked at this as a murder. You all powwowed with strategy because you were at a murder scene. None of you have ever looked at this as self-defense or battered woman. And, and you're, you're doing everything you can to get me acquitted, and I'm just so grateful I am, but... She's so good. She's so good. Put in your eyes, your minds. I committed a crime. They did that and one maybe take. Guaranteed in this mine one take. too. Well, they haven't cut away. Yeah. He, he had no weapon. He wasn't even moving, and I just—he was just standing there talking, and and I just shot him. I just, I just killed him. I just. <laughs> I just <laughs> Got the over-the-shoulder one takes of everybody's reaction. Yeah, that's right. We're just gonna go around the room. Everybody give their reaction, and then quick cut commercial. Ooh, high def B-roll. It's okay if you get emotional. That won't hurt you. It's important to talk about how you feel. Okay. So, that was moving. That was a moving scene. Yeah. Don't know if it would be effective testimony. Uh, where she says, yeah, I just killed him. I just shot him. He wasn't coming at me. He was just standing there, and I killed him. I killed him. Yeah, I'm, that's. Pr I, I wouldn't lead with that. 
if that was our witness prep, I'm going to say we did a bad job. Yeah, that's not that's not great. I want to lead the witness away from Obviously, just you can't saying say I did some it. Some of the things you said yesterday. Thank you, Bobby. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you can't, you know. Okay. Yeah, maybe throw in like a he said he wanted to eat the baby. Hmm, yeah. Mmm, babies are good snacks. Look at me. He was standing at the door and he said he had used to be a vegetarian, but that he wanted his baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back. Ah, <laughs> uh, I could see that 120 some odd episodes have definitely uh, made us better. <laughs> that one tickled me. 120, None 131 episodes we've done. None of us think of you as a murderer. Because you're not. Except we all kind of do. The lawyer part of ourselves kicked in that night because that's who and what we are. But nobody in this office thinks what happened that night was murder. I don't. Girl, you're good with me, Kelly Williams. I mean, Lindsay Dole. I was there. I saw it. You snapped. I mean, in the fictional world of the practice, I feel like I have a case with Lindsay. I feel like she would be like, you know what? You're you're a an unsuccessful podcaster, even though I don't know what a podcast is. And I right. have a I have a hunky defense attorney, but ultimately he's an asshole. So I I feel like I could have an affair with you, fictional Mike from the fictional Boston. So, so you, you don't think you have a case. You think you have a shot. I have a shot. Well, I sure hope that, uh, that Jen is watching this live like we were planning. No, 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 no. Jen doesn't exist in this fairy tale world. Not oh. fairy tale, fictional <laughs> world. <laughs> oh, Mike. Oh, no. She's, she has a different uh, first name, and she's with uh, uh, Chris Hemsworth. Fictional Chris Hemsworth in fictional Boston. <laughs> Should I just edit this out now? Should we just start over? <laughs> you want that segment back, segment back, segment back. Okay. I just want to be a jailhouse pen pal with her that's all you say it all started to come <laughs> that's back that's even creepier somehow can you tell the jury what came back first hanks here we go because hanks tried to kill me too hanks stalked me first hanks it, it, it was hanks first then vogelman vogelman Lindsay is losing her shit george vogelman he, he was a client he stabbed me he was a client his, his name was george and he was a client. He stabbed me. We actually haven't seen this Three Lindsay times. before. And Mr. O'Malley brought memories of these men back. First Hanks, then Vogelman. Three times. Lindsay, did you ever see a doctor or a therapist to help you deal with the trauma over Hanks and Vogelman? I did for a while, but then I had to be okay, so I was okay. I had to be okay. Why did you have to be okay? 
Because I'm not a victim. I can't be a victim. That's why I opened the door. What door? My door. When he came... O'Malley. I knew it was probably him. But I opened my door anyway. I wasn't going to be a victim. It was my house. And after you opened the door... I killed him. Uh. What happened before you killed him? He was there to kill me. He came to take me to heaven. That's why I... He came to take me to heaven. And you perceived what he meant was... He was about to kill me. He said, I'm taking you to heaven, just like... That, that's why I said it. I told him, you go on ahead without me. And then I shot him three oh, times, Jesus. just like Vogelman. Three times. Uh-uh. I was afraid he'd kill me. O'Malley, Vogelman did try to kill me. He stabbed me. O'Malley stabbed too. That's how he killed his victims. I wasn't going to let him eat me. Though this is pretty effective testimony for the battered yeah. syndrome. Yes. I have nothing further. I mean, I believe her. She's that she's fucked up. Yeah. And they're not arguing that she was operating rationally. That the whole point is she's operating irrationally. Yo, this cross ain't gonna be pretty, buddy. I actually feel a little bit of dread. After right he now. said, "I'm going to take you to heaven," you said, "You go on ahead without me." Yes. And then you shot him. Yes. Three times. Yes. Thank you. Nothing further. Because you don't fire on this show before you get your zinger in. I don't think actually she hurt herself. She seems on the verge. She is. You want me to try for a plea? They're not offering, but I think... Too many things we didn't get hurt. You go on ahead without me? Walsh is going to be ringing that like the Liberty Bell. She looked nuts, which is okay for the jury to see. Well... You ready to close? Comfortingly ready? put, Jimmy. Yeah. I stayed up all night getting ready. The answer I thought is... Eleanor's done a good job. Yeah, I mean, it's a I tough no hand. I if I'm ready. You need to come through here, Eleanor. No oh, that's gonna that's that's gonna you help. Need that's to close big. Oh yeah, because she didn't know that already, and that's definitely gonna make her more relaxed and ready to go. It's different than it used well, to be. Uh, oh, the final oh, time oh. for the final time in season six. For the final time of the season. It's closing time. Time to put your case to bed. It's closing. To save Lindsay Dole's life, Eleanor Frutt. Defense attorneys, prosecutors, we used to be the advocates that stayed out of the fray. 
And though we interacted with murderers every day, we were off limits. Now, it's different. Death threats are made against district attorneys. Defendants attack their own lawyers. Lindsay Dole's life was threatened three times by clients. Stalked, stabbed, terrorized. She is a victim of abuse, and you saw firsthand the mental effects during her testimony. Mr. Walsh began this trial with the presumption he never would have fired the gun, and neither would any of you. First off, really? A serial killer who strikes so fast and unexpectedly that has to be handcuffed and muzzled at his own trial shows up at your house threatening to kill you. Are we really sure none of us would have fired? Secondly, neither Mr. Walsh's state of mind nor yours is in issue here. It's Lindsay Dole's. As a sufferer of battered woman syndrome, as a victim of past threats from clients, attempts on her life, being stabbed, her mental state was in a much more fragile place. She was ready to snap even before he rang that doorbell. Since this whole thing turns on Lindsay's state of mind, we put her on the stand in hopes that you would get to know her a little. Because to know her is to love is her. to be convinced of her innocence. But you didn't get to see Lindsay today. You got to see a battered woman squeezing her hands, still in trauma, determined not to be the victim she very much is. Great clothes. When you go back into that room, it is okay to ask yourself, what is the moral thing to do here? It isn't putting Lindsay Dole in jail. Please return a finding of not guilty. Thank you. Here, here's, here's the thing, though, and, and I know, and you know what, I welcome people to write in and if you have a little bit more legal knowledge, but I still don't know. I, I guess I guess they chose strategically the battered wife, battered woman, because it's as Eleanor said at the top, it's more subjective than the objective right. uh, self defense. But the truth of the matter is this: like you had mentioned with stand your ground, which I don't always agree with, but there is more than enough reason to believe that she felt like she was going to get killed. Now. I don't know. It's just one thing missing for me here, and, and I, I'm sure they might try to pull the wool, the pull the rug underneath from underneath me, is that I don't feel the stakes as much because I just I don't know that she acted. They put such a monster up against her, like there's no reason to believe to not to believe that he she felt he would have killed her. I mean, yeah. I'm not I'm not a juror here, but. But I but I don't think that's enough. Like the the I think the self defense argument is that not only you have to think he's killing me right now, 
he is in the act of killing me, not that he's going to kill me later. Because if I'm convinced that you're going to kill me someday, somehow, I can't go to your house and kill you. I, okay. I have, you but have to be it, coming at me with a machete. You but we've done cases with jurisprudence it. before, right? So, like, I guess the fear here is that they'd find they'd acquit her and then the judge would be like, actually, by the letter of the law, you're guilty still? Well, no, because I, I think it's, I mean, possibly, or they just, they don't reach the, the burden. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I think they discussed it last episode. I think they were afraid that they were not going to be allowed to argue self-defense. Uh, they didn't try. I mean, the balls be here is that Cause, Bobby cause of, was much more case. actually guilty than Lindsay is of the of the crime he was accused of last year. Oh. Oh, for sure. I mean, I don't know. It's, you know, Bobby was definitely guilty. And Lindsay's is only Lindsay like kind of guilty? guilty. Yeah. But from their perspective... I still get moved. To hear lawyers speak passionately than, uh, about their clients. Self-defense. Somebody That's asked me once, don't you wish prosecutors got to have clients, somebody to fight for? Well, we do. You. You people are my clients. You people. The general public. That's who I get to fight for. And as much compassion as I feel for Lindsay Dole, and I do feel it, this was an act of vigilantism. Vengeance. She threatened earlier in the day to kill him. She got herself a gun. Right. And she did There's kill that him. too. He was not moving toward her. There was no evidence that he yelled, made any aggressive gesture or movement toward her. He said he would take her to heaven and she shot him three times. The phone calls. Her voice was calm, composed. Bobby Donald's phone call clearly demonstrated he knew his wife was culpable. He refused to identify her as the shooter. Why would he do that if he thought the shooting was justified? Why the immediate assembly of lawyers? The refusal to speak to police? This is consistent with the behavior of guilty people. Are these people above the law? If you decide they are, the general public isn't served. If we're to say cold-blooded homicides are okay, so long as there's been a pattern of past abuse, the general public isn't served. He was unarmed. Jimmy he agrees. was standing 15 feet away, standing still. And she said to him, you go on ahead without me, and shot him three times. Now, as much as the defense would like you to focus on who and what Lindsay Dole is, this trial isn't about that. It's about what she did. And what she did was murder. If you condone that, or even excuse it, the general public isn't served. The law isn't served. And I'm sorry, Miss Frutt, but neither is morality. Oh, get off your horse, buddy. Morality. 
Alright. I believe we are in the hands of the jury. With three minutes and 50 seconds left. Just enough time for the verdict to come in, Keith, and us not to hear it. As per what Mike said. Can I say one thing? Yeah. I just... I'm sorry I got upset at you yesterday, Eleanor. I think you tried an amazing case. She did. Thank you. I'd like to thank you, Rebecca, for I'm not doing anything or saying anything. And I'm also... so sorry that I put the firm... I'm grateful, and I'm sorry. That's what I want to say. Great work, McKelly Williams. Everybody, this was a hell of an acted episode. Wait, so pause it there. Before the jury comes back in. All right. Mike, you're on the jury, your verdict, and why? I, well, I'm on, if I'm in the jury room, mm -hmm. and I know we're looking against that law, I would say, uh, I, I, I just think she was justified. I would have done the same thing. She, the way she looked on the stand, she, I just, I just don't think, listen, I can argue against myself. Obviously, murderers, serial killers, cannibals don't necessarily deserve... It's not deserved to get killed. I think she felt threatened enough. Uh, so maybe we need to send her to an institution? I, I don't know what the... I, my vote is not guilty, Keith, and I'm not ashamed of it. Yeah, and uh, and for me, I'm also not guilty um, for one specific reason. I think... Uh, I think the her threatening him and all that is very damning. Mm -hmm. um, the the reason she's it's not guilty for me is location, location, location. Meaning he went to her. Mm -hmm. He came to her home. If he she said went to all his those home, things there, his threats were active. You know what yeah. I mean? Oh no, for sure. Like if she had gone to his home, guilty. Mm -hmm. If they had bumped into each other on the street. Probably still guilty. The fact that he took an action towards her with the threat that he brings, that that is the action taken that means the threat is happening as opposed to the threat of a threat. I so, also feel like, and I know it's truncated and abridged and whatnot, but I feel like where the prosecution missed here is that he was prosecuting a case against... He, it, it seemed as if he was prosecuting his case against self-defense in trying to paint her as this person. He didn't move towards her. He, But that wasn't their defense. Their defense, and it was well-tried, I thought, was battered woman. They brought up the priors. They brought up her... her and, and in his cross, he never talked about it. He never right. he, he tried to refute... He should have been refute. arguing she was in her right mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, his only argument against that was like what Bobby and what they did. Right in in how yeah. they handled things, which Kelly, act, which uh, Lindsay actually 
protested against as well, because that does look a little bit damning, but that's just who they are and that's how they operate. So we know why they did it. And I understand why he tried that was, but that was his only tactic to try to refute the battered woman syndrome. And I think that's why she should be not guilty. Now, here's one of those cases, Keith, where, you know, sometimes it's cool when it's, it's, it's very ambiguously tried, but here I feel like it was super well tried and, are they going to do a flippity doo dah? Because with two minutes and thirty seconds left in an episode, there's not a lot of because where it generally that scene we just had with Lindsay apologizing, all that would happen post verdict. Right. So this is why I'm concerned with how can you wrap up an entire season of television with the highest of stakes in two minutes? Got two minutes before the summer break. The scoring is ominous. Ominous. Everybody's there. Oh, hey, Rebecca, welcome to the season finale. If they just all showed up, like, then, it wouldn't <laughs> have been there, like, five minutes earlier, I think. Will the defendant please rise? Gotta replace that background between seasons, guys. Madam Foreperson, the jury has reached a unanimous verdict. We have, Your Honor. Unanimous. What say you? Commonwealth versus Lindsay Dole on the count of murder in the first degree. We find the defendant, Lindsay Dole, guilty. Oh, snap. Bailiff, take the defendant into custody. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, thank you for your service. You're now dismissed. This matter is adjourned. When uh, Dylan, uh, Bobby whispers something in our ear, I think it's an effective directing choice that we don't get to hear what it is. Did you fart? I have strong thoughts. Strong thoughts. I'm excited to talk about them. And we're going to on our after show show back on the YouTubes. We'll see you then. And we are back, baby. And we are indeed. Lindsay's in prison. Uh, I imagine by now she's made it. Um, Bobby's already started his affair with a Black Widow murderer somewhere. <laughs> Although maybe Bob, that's the sexy, Keith. Bobby's going to be into it now because his wife is a convicted murderer, which is what he's what turns his screws. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's true. Lindsay Dole has been convicted of murder. Big doings. Uh, you know what? Uh, hold on. You know what we just did? We, uh, we messed up everyone's favorite segment. Mm, two, three. Mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. Segment. Segment. Uh, yeah, there's no timer, guys. Lindsay is on trial for murder, and she's found guilty. I mean, that's the that's the recap. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> Poor Mike looks a little shell shocked. <laughs> I, I feel that way. Um, I'll talk more about it in a segment we call. Lindsay is on trial. Lindsay is found guilty fast. This is piss ass crap. <laughs> yes. Wow. Way to way to call it back. Wow. I I'm so excited to hear what Mike feels about all of these things. But first, we have to hand out some hardware for the last time in season six in a segment we call. Uh, this. We call... We call... I guess we just go right to it. Let's get to (laughs) it. (laughs) Mike is so pissed, he's not even going to roll the bumper. I love it. Uh, But we will listen to this particular... uh, Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, for the last time in season six... Majestic. Well, I mean, Walsh won his case. He put a not dangerous, incredible woman and lawyer in prison. <laughs> um, but that said, Eleanor tried an incredible case. I thought she she did everything that was asked of her. Uh it's incongruent to me how quickly they lost. It, 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 I want to say it's Eleanor. I just, but she lost. <laughs> so it's tough because he's the bad guy, but I guess it's Walsh, right? I mean, like most valuable. Well, so Eleanor, though, was a great case. I mean, you can't say her value clearly is not the value proposition. Whatever Lindsay paid, <laughs> she didn't get her money's worth. Cause didn't pan out, no. No. So I guess by default, in this case, usually it shouldn't be predicated entirely on winning. I know we get shit from Phoenix about that, but here, I don't see any other way to look at it other than, I mean, no one, no one really wins here, but I guess that's just because I have visceral feelings. So <laughs> I guess it's <laughs> D.A. Walsh. I don't know. Tell me if I'm, if I, can I, what do you think? No, I I think you're right. I mean, I think at the beginning of this, at the outset of this case, both sides had some things working in their favor and things working against them, right? Because the the DA had working against them, the dude's a serial killer cannibal who came to her house, right? So that's a pretty hard thing to argue that he, that, you know, that she committed murder. On the other hand, Eleanor was saddled with the fact that she had threatened to kill him publicly in court previously and had to, you know, work out a zinger before they shot him, you know, plus they were acting all guilty. So they were both given difficult hands to play. And, you know, Walsh, he did it. He did it. He did a good close. He he did a good uh, explanation as to why we as a larger society don't benefit from her blowing away a a serial killer. 
And and I think that's that was his job, and I think he did a good job at it. So uh, congratulations, 88 Walsh, with your most valuable lawyer. Okay, uh, I think this one is going to be fairly anticlimactic. Why did that, bu- that bu- bumper goes on forever? Those people were be- psyched. They were, they were so, <laughs> they were so, po- I think it was Walsh's family. Yeah. Was that, was Well, here? I hope they, I hope they're queued up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, folks. <clears throat> it's time. Already famous because you've been on TV. Getting a paycheck. Or first entry on your IMDb. Way to go. But you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You know, season six will be remembered for many things. Uh, When I broke my voice on a bumper, when Mm -hmm. we officially made the official choreography of Best Guest Mm -hmm. Actor. I think that was this season. A lot lot of things happened this season. Yeah, it's uh, uh, Switchovich. Everybody loves to hate him. He did a great, a very, he was very passionate in this episode. Um, And what kind of gave it a lot of color is that we've seen through his actions through this season that he's not as dedicated to legal morality as he claims to be and mm-hmm. yet was able to portray that to fade at, it well yeah and also there's a moment uh, you have to watch the episode uh, there's a moment right after the verdict where he should probably be filled with jubilation as a winner but you can see him quickly in the in the briefest of cutaways sort of begin to wrestle with what the what the hell does this all mean Mm-hmm. And uh, that's awesome. That's that was an excellent beat for him. And uh, you know, sometimes it's fun to play the bad guy. Sometimes it's not. And uh, it, it, regardless, you have to play the 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 beats and the uh, the desired outcome of your character. And I I think he did that well this episode. And I think it's he's easily the also the only choice. So an yeah, easy no, winner. I- no, I totally agree. I think it's it's Mitrovich for sure, and and he did something I thought was smart, and I thought the episode did it smart, uh, because both he and the character kind of played it straight. Yeah, uh, there there wasn't a lot of shenanigans happening. He he basically just tried the case straightforward, and you know, as opposed to some of the underhanded tactics that he's done previously, he didn't. This was just a a straight, you know, so th- this isn't uh, a story of our firm and Lindsay getting screwed, mm-hmm. right? This is the story of they lost the case. And uh, yeah, so, and uh, I, I think that Samitrovic like brings a credibility to everything he does, even when he has to say piss ass crap, uh, which he sold that line. It, 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 honestly, he gets the oopsie for selling that line with a straight face. More than anything else. So congratulations. Uh, Bill, so glad your family was here to celebrate this moment. I'm sorry, I, I'm going to have to cut you off because uh, we, we have to get to some things. Uh, let's do another anticlimactic one. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down many your tears. face. Many, many tears. You're the best actor on the show all right it's kelly williams but i'll say that uh just so that it's not just like a throwaway you know it wasn't like she just like wept her way through the episode 
she had to play all kinds of nooks and crannies of this uh, yeah. and did and was able to put, and actually very much like her, her testimony, when she had to be okay, we saw her have to be okay. And yeah. then we saw her sort of, it, the, the trauma and the, 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 the stress break through at times. And that's, that you only get that with a skilled actress. If you're just a kind of a mediocre actress, you actress, you would have got a lot of hysterics because truth be told, hysterics are the easiest thing to play. Yeah. Um, and she was able to show us a lot more than that. And I think it's obvious she's the best. But though, not like we said during the episode, uh, everyone was excellent in this. They really got a tour de force performance with the exception of those who weren't in the episode. Jimmy got at least some opportunity. Michael Badalucco got some opportunity to react and i just think he was in the courtroom there yeah yeah uh, and you know and marla though she's excellent when we see her she is lucy she's the the receptionist she's much more than that but you know i can understand if you have to like cut some people from the episode she makes the she doesn't really she's not totally necessary but i i will say and i think we need to keep stressing it i think that once again lisa lisa gay hamilton is just underserved yeah uh by this underused Yep, perpetually underused. Uh, yeah, no, Kelly was terrific and and was handed a very difficult task. Uh, this this whole arc is an mm-hmm. you know they put some real heavy lifting on her shoulders and uh, you know she knocked it out of the park. She really did. So congratulations. Huh. Look at that. Bill Smithers' family is also excited about uh, Kelly Williams' oopsie. That's that's very very generous of them. Uh, you know who we're not excited for, uh, but he was playing in the preseason. I was shocked to see him play. The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Well, Keith, he was playing because he did try out to be uh, Larry King's replacement uh, after the mm. sad passing of Larry King, but uh, unfortunately that didn't go so well. So uh, this week's winner is Tom Brady failing to be the replacement for... Uh, sucking at Larry King's job, Tom Brady. So Tom Brady sucking Tom? at Larry King's ga- job, Tom Brady. Okay, uh, I was gonna say that's a lot. At Larry King's job, Tom Brady. Okay, there it is. Uh, very, very good. All right, uh, Mike. I can tell you are locked and loaded. I just want to give you the ball and let you run with it, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so a benefit Keith gets is that he has time to sort of compose himself, collect himself, and prepare something to say for this portion about the episode. I do not get that luxury. I'm sort of winging it, and I'm going to be probably incoherent here. Sort of winging it? Yeah, I'm more than winging it. (laughs) But here's my feelings, unabashed. Um, I I can comprehend losing the case, okay? I mean... Clearly, we did lose. So I don't think that it's like crap because we lost. Um, I'm upset that we lost, but it almost we were almost backed in a corner because of the the out because of last season and the fact that this is a little bit retrod ground. It makes sense that we're guilty, and it gives us some. It gives us a great end of the season cliffhanger and somewhere to go. Now, feelings, the. How quickly the verdict came back, seemingly, it definitely was not more than a day. It didn't seem, we were in the, court. you know, seems, with the amount of women that were on that 
jury with the, the with the amount that it seemed they were affected when we when we took to them it just seems incongruent to me that they quickly would have just sent this woman away no priors no nothing no attempts to plead it out nothing just we're going right to guilty of first degree murder against a cannibal whereas bobby basically hired a man to kill somebody last season and we let him go uh, which i know the jury's not so what i'm saying is what my where my problems list is in the drama of is in the show's writing. It, it is a well written episode. I thought the performances were great. Up until I thought the tension was great. The cards were set. It's it seems a lot more. Uh, the ambiguity seemed a little forced. Like it feels like she's just not guilty. But okay, she's guilty. My thing where let's just hold the verdict to last to next season. I felt like it would have been, yes, a cheap cliffhanger, but at least gives us some places to go and to think about. Now that we've written Lindsay guilty of murder, next season, we, I can, we're not, you can't have a fun television show where one of our, where Lindsay's just rotting away in federal penitentiary. Okay, so that's not going to happen. Nobody's under the impression that that's what's going to happen. I'm not. So where does that leave us to go? We find out one of the jurors was, tainted and it's a mistrial we find out Samitovich did some bullshit and it's a mistrial or do we do a whole appeal arc like that I so you know what I'm proving my point wrong like I guess that is interesting all three of those things are interesting but what I what I, what bothers me the most is that here's Lindsay who's actually gone through some shit and yeah I'm glad they're all saying we support you now but like clearly this woman has been through so much trauma she flipped she's flipped now she's broken now this kid has a convicted murderer mother she's not getting the help she deserves it just it it just blows the character of Lindsay up like there's not a ton of i don't see a huge redemptive arc because we still have to have the week-to-week -week episodic nature of the television show i just think it sucks for the character of Lindsay, and i don't know it's i just i guess i feel like people watching the show 20 years ago would have felt like this fucking sucks. Um, so I'm left with a dilemma, an actual dilemma. Like, do I not like the episode? No, it was really pretty, pretty, it was a pretty great episode. Like all of the hoops that, all of the, the challenges they had because here's the thing. David did come in because they set the table really well, Keith. Like they set up the, the DA arc, DA Walsh arc, just enough that, that we, are actively rooting for Lindsay. And we're not even rolling our eyes or any of that crap that we have another murder trial because this guy, it makes sense that he would go after her because he's got some sort of vendetta. And then, like you said, he played it straight. We had a great strategy that I thought we were pretty effective. I would have hammered the trauma thing a little bit. I would have brought some witnesses on to talk about. I think we could have hammered that a little bit more. Right. At the end of the day, how do you not like an episode that was well-written incredibly impeccably performed and leaves you, especially as a season finale, season finale without going to the Bobby McRambo extremes. You just play a straight, well-litigated case with with all the things I say I like as a, that has a, a great cliffhanger ending. I have to like it, uh, uh, though I feel nasty. I feel nasty, but I'm going to say <laughs> 8.67 spare tires. Wow. Wow. After all that, it's I, talk, an 8 I needed to talk it out. I needed to talk it out. Yeah. No, I understand. 
Yeah, well, I I don't dislike this verdict for a couple of different reasons. Um, obviously, it was set up to be a there was a legitimate argument on either side of this. I think it really does um, mix up. It, it, like it because we've we've had all of our main characters on trial for all sorts of things and they've never been convicted before and what happens when one of us are 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 in jail do we go for an appeal how do we how do we deal with that i'm intrigued i i like that i'm 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 sort of of the opinion that like i would have liked to have seen somebody convicted before um you know this particular case uh I thought they played it straight and I think it, it's, it's not unbelievable that she would have been convicted here. So I don't, I, I actually have no problem with any of that. Um, but I, I think what you were sort of inferring is you don't like the treatment of Lindsay in this y yes. situation. And I agree with you, not in the context of this case, but the way we have treated Lindsay as a character, the entire series and and so yeah. again it's not happening in, happening in a vacuum right so three serial killers going after like okay so like the unbelievability of it aside because we've talked about that ad nauseum but the just like just beating this character up and traumatizing this character up over and over again and don't don't forget sex lies and monkeys you know, where she went through a rape story and went crazy and it was incredibly badly treated as a, as a character in that situation too. And so, I mean, and cause if you think about it, if I were prosecuting the case, one of my first questions would be, where'd you get the gun? Why did you have the gun? What were your, and, and if you go back, she got it for sex, lies and monkeys. Like, have you ever used it before? Have you ever shot at a person before? Yeah, it was blanks, but she w went in the office and shot somebody before. Like there's, there's just a lot there that why is this one character just like the, you know, the whipping person for all of these things. And all they're not unaware of it. They're not unaware of it because twice, even in this episode, uh, uh, Lindsay, Lindsay has her kind of come to Jesus where she's like, you guys just assumed I was a murderer from the beginning. You didn't even like see if I was okay. It wasn't about that. It was about like, how do we just like operate as a murder case? And then I'm, I'm past that. Don't forget, Jimmy was like, well, she seemed like she was crazy on the stand and that's good for us. He used those words, which is just like, once again, blanket paint, paint the brush on mental illness as a tactic, not the actual uh, somebody, a friend, not only a colleague, but a friend suffering from it. I just, I just. It's just the, and the, the, the writing has always treated Lindsay like a doormat. I mean, we had, we had the, the case where Bobby's having an emotional affair with the, with the black widow and like Bobby she's treats her like crap. Lindsay the crazy one at the end of that one. She's, yeah. yeah, she's the crazy one. And so I, I think what you're reacting to is not this case or this verdict it's the treatment of that character throughout the whole series and it's like it's like the the bobby is an asshole but the writing is an asshole to the character of Lindsay, and has been uh like it, it just becomes sort of sadistic over time that she just keeps getting beat up like this um so i think that is really what um 
uh, I, I sort of feel about this. Um, I really liked your point about why was the verdict so fast? Um, I think, you know, A, the verdicts always come in right away in these mm-hmm. things. And I get it for storytelling purposes, that kind of stuff. But when you have a verdict this important for a character like this, you don't need to make the verdict happen next season. All you need is a 90-second montage mm-hmm. of us taking a, a week and being nervous for a week and just sort of staring at the clock and at the calendar. And like, it's a, it's a 90 second montage that makes it feel much more epic and makes it feel like we're, we're watching our characters go through the stakes of that time. It also gives room for if some funny business was to happen in that area, when you have it come back so fast, that means this was open and shut and you can't yeah. appeal, you can't appeal because there was some crazy thing on the jury. Like right. if there's an appeal, it's going to have to be a straight one and not some uh, deus machina. Right. And, and even tough. if you don't use it because they haven't written the first episode of the next season, it gives you a little bit more rope to play with when you, when you sit down to write uh, season seven. So uh, yeah. So, the uh, I, I'm going to give a number, and then I'm going to give an interesting piece of trivia. Uh, I that said, I I do think it's a good episode by itself, and you know, like I I've said for a couple of weeks now, if this was the f- the first time Lindsay goes through something like this, I love this. <laughs> Fascinating. It's great. Uh, it's just you know, blah blah blah. I've I've talked about it ad nauseum. Uh, I'm going to give it an a uh, eight point four. Okay. Um, so all right. Yeah. So here is the interesting piece of trivia for those of you who have not already checked the IMDb. When they recorded this episode, when they shot this episode, they didn't know where where they were going to go. So, and also to prevent spoilers, they shot the verdict in either direction. So they shot the scene with her winning and they shot the scene with her losing. Huh? Uh, so, uh, interesting. That's always a, uh, you know, I got to say, as far as performances go, that's always a tough scene. Like the shock on Lindsay and everybody's face really read authentic. So I wonder if you do something creatively as a director and be like, hey, we're going to shoot both seats, but we're not telling you which one's getting red right now. Oh, my God. That's so smart. Yeah. That um, would be great. Uh, good. Uh, good question. All right. Yeah. Well, I will say this. Yeah. Nair in the history of the Out of Practice podcast have I been so tempted to watch ahead? Uh, it's because <laughs> yes. we have probably two weeks before I'm going to get yeah. to see the next episode. So I, because least, I really yeah. need to, it really, I really want Lindsay to be okay. And well, no, I don't gonna, see, she's going to spend at least a few days in prison. <laughs> we had to suffer an entire summer. You can get through two weeks, sir. Yeah, I guess I'm going to have to, aren't I? Yes, yes, you certainly are. So is, is that an or Christmas ornament? Uh, it is not. It's a little Easter egg just for us. That is uh, Neville Longbottom's Remember All from Harry Potter because when we started to shoot this, I had forgotten to build this two-shot. So it's for myself to remember to do the two-shot next week. Uh, that doesn't make any sense to me, Keith. So in Harry Potter... Uh-huh. There's the, oh, it's just, in, okay. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. And also, Keith, when this episode aired, Harry Potter was uh oh no, it was Star Wars. Just kidding. Yeah, Star Wars was happening, but you know that's okay. Well, you know, just what's, like Lindsay, I'm not okay. Not okay. <laughs> but you know what uh, is probably also not going to be okay? 
Next week, we have this season six oopsie season recap spectacular. Also known as Promises Made, Promises, promises Broken. Not kept. <laughs> Keith and I did promise that we would be in the same location for the season oopsie spectacular, but you know, we were just, COVID was making us stressed out. Yeah, and now we're just know. stressed out with other stuff. Yeah, someday. Someday we're going to do it, but it's going to be spectacular anyway. Keith, you must uh, have been toiling away hours and hours preparing it. You know, here's the thing. <laughs> uh, I work from home now. Yeah. So yeah. as opposed to being tied to a desk for eight hours a day, if I run out of work for my job, I can just go do something else. Yeah. Because when I was tied to the desk, I had to be there till five. I had all the time in the world to do all the graphics and all the oopsies and all this, that thing, you know, all of I these things. I thought we things. were getting close and intimate. I really don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to back further away. No. <laughs> this is higher def than anyone wanted. That isn't everything. Uh, so, so, yeah, so I... So now, to do all these graphics, I have to sit down and take time away from my yard or my cat or my Xbox. It's, uh, I mean, I'm going to do it, but I'm definitely going to do it later and, you know, a little lazier. Folks, if you want to do it later, <laughs> you can do so by, you know, writing us uh, after hours uh, at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. Or you could, you know, troll us like an ex-boyfriend on Facebook at Out of Practice Podcast. Or you can check out our awesome pics uh, on Instagram at Out of Practice. Or if you're even cooler than that, you can go ahead and join the jury. All the cool kids are doing it. And by cool kids, I mean a few people way early on and then no one after that. And you can do so by leaving us a rating on Apple Podcasts or any of your podcasting services of choice, shoot us an email afterwards to let us know you did so so we can put you on this awesome graphic which Keith probably wouldn't update anyway. People that don't need any updating are our good friends Jorge Navoa, CloudLover69, Leanne Wrights, Jennifer Masanova, and Carrie Kuhn. Keith, that means we're tossing it back to you. Yes, if you are also confused about us flipping our responsibilities here at the end of the podcast and think, how is Keith going to fill that last 15 seconds before he makes a lame, tepid laser sounds jokes? <laughs> well, set your lasers to, that's how I do it. Laser sounds? Laser sounds. <laughs>